Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1752. Today, I have something very, very different and very special for you. I'm going to do a two-part show. This is part one, and uh, it's all about purchasing a vintage Ferrari F1. Yeah, this is very interesting, so you better buckle up. Here we go. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today we are theoretically in Marinello, Italy at the Ferrari factory, and I'm with a very special guest. He's actually a returning guest by the name of David Smith. Buongiorno, David. Welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely, Mark. Good to talk to you. We're going to have some fun, and I appreciate you coming back because regular Cars listeners will remember that I had David on the show back. His guest, he was guest number 1,732, and I've invited him back to share something very unique that he has shared with me, being longtime friends, that we want to share with you, and I think you'll find this really, really interesting. Let me set the stage, and we will begin. Back in 1993-94, David Smith decided that he wanted to purchase and drive a vintage Formula One car, but not just any vintage Formula One car. He wanted the 1994 Ferrari 412 T1B, the car that Gerhard Berger and John Alessi drove. It was designed and built by John Bernard in England and the Ferrari F1 team. This beast is powered by a 3.5 liter V12. The engine produces 800 plus horsepower. It revs to 18,500 RPM. And with no driver's aids, well, let's just say... This thing is a handful. David's experience purchasing and driving the car is incredibly exciting, and that's why I wanted to share it with you. It's really a story about persistence, patience, tenacity, and endurance. So let's buckle up and go for a little drive. But first, a word from our sponsors, of course. They make the show possible, so keep your seatbelts on. This is going to be fun. Ciao. Did you know Covercraft offers you much more than car covers? Floor mats, seat covers, and trunk liners? That's right. When you visit Covercraft.com, you'll find Cologne custom bras, LeBra front end covers, and hood protectors that protect your vehicle's front end while you're on a road trip. No more rock chips or hours removing that nasty bug jerky from your grill and your paint. You'll find vehicle seat back organizers that keep everything in check, perfect for all the kids' things in the back seats, spidey gear webs that keep your cargo in your truck bed safely in place, seat heaters, cargo bars, pro nets, rooftop carriers, and pet travel barriers to keep Fido in the back seat. They even make tire covers. And don't forget their dash mat, dashboard covers that shield your vehicles from the sun's damaging UV rays and their sunscreens, my favorite. Their pet protection pads are easy to install, easy to remove, and washable. They protect your floors and seats from Fido's damaging claws, messy fur, and slobber. Everything at Covercraft is carefully engineered and quality made. I've used their interior protection on all my vehicles for many years. And I've got a really great deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off. That's right, 10% off. So just use the code YEAH21 at checkout at Covercraft.com. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I found a new way to protect my vehicle. 
American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my orange crush. But did you know they also insure your valuable collectibles of automobilia and automotive collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool automotive collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting us automotive enthusiasts since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love. I did. American Collectors Insurance, classic car and collectible insurance designed by collectors for collectors, just like you and me. All right, David, we are back now. I want to start at the beginning. The decision to buy a Ferrari F1 car is quite unique, but the process for you and the decision to get this car makes this story extra special. So let's start there. Why did you want this car? This goes back a long way, Mark. I mean, it started when I was in junior high school driving my go-kart. And um, at that time, I really loved cars. And I said to my father, I said, geez, Dad, you know, I need to have a go-kart. And he said, well, guess what? We can't afford one, but we can make one in a basement. <laughs> so exactly, that's what we did. And fortunately, my father is very talented. So we did that. But that was the start of the bug to start driving. A little bit of quick background on it. We just used the um, <clears throat> engine from the lawnmower and went out and decided to do a little racing. And I got beat and I'm going like, we can do better than that. And we started making fuel and so forth. So pretty soon we did pretty well. That is the start of let's go racing <laughs> in our world. Okay, now there's a big jump from a Briggs and Stratton motor to a Ferrari F1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so I'm going to jump real quick into F1, and I started working on Ferraris, and I realized that it was just incredible, the technology and what was going on, and Ferrari, of course, was the top of the heap and the best of the best, and during my uh, time in working and so forth, I was able to one day go to the Monaco Grand Prix and visualize being there. I was actually there with a friend, and I got to be in the pits, which was incredible, Whoa. and almost got run over by Gerhard Berger <laughs> in a Ferrari. And I'm going like, oh, my God, this is the top of the top of anything I'd want to do. And I could never get that out of my mind. Someday I'm going to be next to one of these cars, and maybe by some way I could actually get one. Wow. So that's how this all started. And then I realized that this is a hard road because you can't just buy a Ferrari F1. So I started talking to people and so forth. And about that time, Ferrari had a big event in Belgium. It's called FF40. And we were invited with our special vintage cars to go over and be part of this. And one of the cars we had was invited, so it was shipped over. And then myself and my wife were able to go over and be in this great part of Ferrari world. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I realized this is a time to try to pounce and see if you can get anywhere with this F1 idea. 
So I started talking to people and pretty soon I found the marketing director of Ferrari. And I just started talking to him. And over a three-day period, I finally launched into, I want to buy a real Ferrari, a modern one. And what I want to do is hang it on the wall. Okay. You want to what? <laughs> you want to hang it on the wall? I said, yes, because we have a special home. It's got a big thing. And I think the design and the mechanics are the best thing in the world. And I just want to hang it on the wall. What do you think? And he said, well, gee, I don't know, but let me do some checking. And he finally got back to me and said, I think we can work this out. And it's going to be very expensive and all of that. But we have some equipment over there that we could probably put together for you and so forth. And the long story on this is that he basically got let go, fired or whatever, and the whole thing stopped. And I'm going, my God, I am dead in the water. I'm never going to get really what I had in mind. And about a year or a year and a half later, there was an event at Sears Point down in uh, California. And uh, I heard that they ran a vintage but a more modern Formula One as a demonstration. Mm. And I said, something's happening here. And I got on the phone and I called around and somebody said, well, call Ferrari of San Francisco. It's actually a factory store, which I didn't know at the time. So the factory owned it. And I got on the phone. I started talking and I found out the manager was uh, Giacomo Mattioli. And Giacomo is a very, very well-known person who grew up and basically was in the Ferrari factory a lot. He's from a wealthy family in Modena. He married Piero Lardi's daughter. Wow. And he was over here running the show over here, and he had worked in the department of the modern Formula Ones that are no longer competitive. So he had one set up and brought it over as a demonstration. Got it. So that was the key. And I talked to him. And he was very nice to me, and he said very nicely, we don't do this. What do you really want? And I said, I really want to buy one. And he said, well, gee, I don't know. I think, well, let me think about it. I'll get back to you. So getting back to me took about two or three months, and he finally called me back, and he said, I think we can work something out. And I go, wow, something's really happening. They had to vet me. Yeah, They wanted to know if I had the funds to do it if I was a real Ferrari enthusiast, and I had, at that time, won two best of shows of the Ferrari Nationals and won a number of events with Ferraris and showed them and been overseas with a vintage Ferrari. So when he looked me up, he said, eh, this guy is probably, he's okay. He's probably we, legit, yeah. He's a legit guy. We can probably figure this out. So he got back to me, and he said, what do you really want? And I told him I want a V12. That's the pride of Ferrari. And I want a more modern car and so forth. And I want to hang it on the wall. Mm-hmm. Keep saying this, hang it on the wall. I said, <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll get some old parts and we'll put them together and so forth like that. And then he said, you realize it's going to be expensive. And I said, I'm willing to do it. And the price came out. And I said, OK. And he said, you need to wire me the money. And uh what we have that would probably be better because would be a 94 car because the 93 cars had the active suspension and they really don't work very well. And we kind of shelved all that stuff. But the 94 car, we have a couple and so forth. And I said, well, let me look 
because I had gone back now into the records and I said, look, I want something that's got history. Yeah. Always buy history. Don't just buy something by history. And the number one car is the car that won the German Grand Prix, the only F1 victory of that year. Mm. And I said, I'd like that car. And he said, no, that's in that's in the museum. That That's not available. And then he said, how about 151, which is the car I ended up. And when you buy an F1, you basically buy the tub. That's it. Everything else bolts on. Mm -hmm. So the important thing is the number in the tub and everything else got changed uh, on the races, the setups and all the rest of it. So we agreed upon that. And then the price changed. And I'm going, okay, (laughs) here we go. This is Ferrari. Pay some more money. Pay some more money. And then he says, okay, I'll have this car ready for you in about a year and a half. So the year and a half passes and I start calling him, bugging him. And he says, yeah, we're working on it. But remember, you know, it's Ferrari and we have to this and that. And I said, "Okay." So then Giacomo calls me and said, you need to go to the factory. And I'm going, oh, my God, this is great. I'm going to actually see my car. (laughs) Well, let's let me stop you there for a second, because the process leading up to the trip to pick up your car, I mean, incredibly extensive. Now, I want the listeners to know Ferrari now has a program called Cliente, where you can go and buy Ferrari F1 cars. They'll service them. They'll work on them. They'll take you to track. So bring a crew. You can go to their test track and drive one. But none of that existed when you were up to this. You were a bit of a trailblazer, David. Well, that's very true, Mark. They had never sold what I'm going to call a modern uh, F1 to anybody in the United States. There was a couple of them that were out in Europe, and they were friends of the factory or something like that. And they were basically taken care of by the factory. There was three people that they had put in place that were retired from F1. And actually, those three people, I actually saw them when I was in Monaco. And I took pictures of them, but I didn't know who they were. Mm. And I'm going, okay. These three people, and their names are Clayto Zini, who is the famous one because he's Nicky Lauda's crew chief, Umberto, and Pietro, and they all worked on the cart. And the interesting thing to me, which now I know, they also worked on this particular car when it raced in the day in 1994. Cool. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know any of that at the time. That's all later on. Yeah. So basically... Giacomo says, David, you need to come to the factory. And I'm going, okay. So I get, you know, and and when you go to the Ferrari factory, you dress up. You don't go in your jeans and T-shirt. So I got all my dress-up clothes and everything else, and I take off, and I fly into Modena and so forth. And I am extremely nervous about this whole thing. I'm in the deep end of the pool. I have no idea what I'm doing. How do you talk? I don't speak Italian. What am I going to do? <laughs> Fortunately, a friend of mine said, hey, there's a couple Microsoft guys that now work at Ferrari. So I said, wow. And through my Microsoft friends, I ended up contacting Neil Conson, who had worked and worked for a number of years at Ferrari. He was very, very bright, early Microsoft person, and he worked at Magneti Morelli, and Magneti Morelli really liked him because he's so bright, and so he was hired by the F1 team. So I tried, and I worked really hard at befriending Neil, and he was really, really nice to me, and he said, when you get to Modena, David, I'll meet you for dinner. Okay. So I get there, you know, in my big sweat, 
and we meet, <laughs> and Neil is just the nicest, warmest, great guy. Very big for, he's big, he's 6'3", and he is a presence with Neil. But he speaks fluent Italian, very, very bright and everything else. He said, don't worry, David, here's my cell phone. You need anything, I'm available. Because he's working the F1 team. Nice. And Ferrari had no idea that was going on. Uh-huh. So, okay. <laughs> he had an insider. <laughs> yeah. So I end up going to Ferrari, didn't sleep real well, and Giacomo picks me up. We drive through the back roads at 100 miles an hour going to the factory. That's the way it happens in Italy. Scares the crap out of you on the way. <laughs> and I end up going into a room, and there's a bunch of rollarounds and so forth. And I'm just standing there, and Giacomo leaves. And then pretty soon, he comes in with these two, two mechanics. And they introduce themselves, but, oh, pardon, pardon, do not speak English. Okay, this is great. But Giacomo does. So we're looking at each other, and I said, where's my car? I want to see my car. And they look at me, and they say, oh, it's there. There's the tub. It's there. It was just the tub? That's it? There's no engine. There's no suspension. There's no nothing. What? And I'm going, what is going on here? I've paid... This is hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is not chump change. This was real money in the day. And I'm going, I'm shocked. And I'm going, what's happening here? I just been set up. And he said, oh, oh, Mr. Smith, Mr. Smith, we just want to make sure you have the passion. I came all the way here and I wrote you a big check. Isn't that passion enough? (laughs) I'm saying, I got the passion. I want to see my car. Oh, well, we we have other ideas. And I'm going, you got to be kidding. This is just, this is awful. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So we go around, and they can tell I'm pretty upset with this whole maneuver, which is going on. And everybody is trying to be nice, of course. And they're speaking in Italian, so I have no idea. idea. What's really going on? no idea. But they do show me some different stuff, and I, I don't know what it is. It's a bunch of this, a bunch of this. And then they say, oh, we need to go to the Cavallino and have lunch because that's what you do in Italy and it's going to take a couple hours. Yeah. And going, okay, this is this is getting me off the wrong track. So we walk across the street to the Cavallino and we have our lunch, which is actually very nice and so forth. And then they say, we have something to show you. I have no idea what's going on. So we walk around the back, and Cavallino is right against the back of the Fiorano track. Yeah. So they walk me out to the track, and I'm standing there looking, and I can't see anything except, you know, it's just a big open track. And they kind of push me forward up to the Armco, the steel guardrail. And I can hear in the back this thing that just screaming. I have no idea what it is, and so forth. And then all of a sudden... An F1 comes by me about, it felt like it was two inches from the Armco. It literally, I thought I was going to die. I mean, <laughs> this thing is screaming and the, the suction. Here comes my pasta Armco, revisiting and me. <laughs> Giacomo's got his hand on my shoulder pushing me forward. Yeah. And I'm going, what is happening? They want to throw me on the track and run, <laughs> run over. me over with an F1. Yeah. <laughs> and Giacomo turns around to me and says, hey, that could be you, David. And I'm going, oh, my God, that could be me. I don't have any desire to drive one. I don't know what I'm doing here. What is going on? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) And I am absolutely shocked. And the comment is, and Clato's standing next to him, 
we only sell a car that runs. Your idea on the wall doesn't work for a Ferrari. That's why we're going to charge you some more money. You will have a working driving car. That's the only way it'll come out the door. Wow. So that was the way they, they were going to tell you that. Couldn't they just told you on the phone? <laughs> no, no, they have to take you all, you know, you have to go all the way to Marinello in areas you don't know what you're doing, all the way to figure out what you're doing and find out when you get there, you have no idea what's going on. You have nothing to say about it, but they think they're helping you. And at the time I'm going like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And wow. uh, so, or so. <laughs> well, let's do this. I'm going to take a short break with our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to continue on this journey of the next step, because Obviously, you didn't go home with a car after that trip. There's a little more to this thing. Actually, there's a lot more to this thing. So so sit tight. Uh, we'll let our pasta digest a little bit here before we get thrown on the track. And we'll be right back. Oh, my gosh. Cars Yeah is proud to support our veterans, which is why I've teamed up with our nonprofit partner, Tech Force Foundation, through its Veterans at Work Military Transition Campaign. The tech shortage is very real, and our country needs skilled, qualified techs to keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling. When so many vets build their skills in maintaining and servicing vehicles when deployed, TechForce helps transition those skills to jobs as professional technicians when they come home. Learn more about TechForce Foundation and its Veterans at Work Military Transition Fund at techforce.org today. All right, David, we are back. So now you've seen a car run. You've discovered that they want you to be driving the car, not hanging it on the wall. Where do you go from there? This was interesting. So I called home and I talked to my wife, Jody, and I said, Jody, I still want to get the car and all that and so forth. And we had an agreement when we got married that I would quit vintage racing. And I did that for about a year and a half. And I really enjoyed it. And she said, you know, it's really not what I want. You know, you're going to be a father someday. You need to take care of things. You don't need to bust yourself doing this and so forth. I said, well, that's fine, but I still love cars. So this was a very quick, I need to do this with a Formula One and it's going to run. And I get this big pause, <laughs> really? I guess if you have to do it, you can do it. But we got to have a talk about it. I yeah. said, OK. So I turn her, you know, basically still at the Fiorana truck. And I said, OK, we're in. We're on Giacomo. When do I get my car? Oh, a couple months. A couple okay. months. Here we go. Here we go. So I fly back home and everything else. And I'm waited, of course, because I paid a little bit more money and everything else. And then Giacomo calls again and says, hey, you need to go back to the Ferrari factory because we're going to fit you to your car. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So again, the trip go and I fly over there and Giacomo meets me and we go over there and so forth. And this time I'm deciding, you know what, we're going to get a little bit smarter. So I call my friend Neil Conson and Ferrari has no idea that I've got some inside track now. And I've also met another person that I'm communicating with in emails who's really, really nice, Christoph Mary. And Christoph came to the factory, speaks, he's from France and he came with John Todd, but really, really nice, good friend yeah. of Neil's. So we're all in this three-way, but Ferrari doesn't have any idea that's going on. So I show up into the thing and they've got me and they're going to fit me into the tub. Now, is the car, when you go back, is, is it look like a real car now? Is it not just a tub? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it actually has an engine and tires and wheels. That. 
And I had, through Neil's help, they don't know that, but I asked because Neil found out about an engine that had no time on a really good gearbox and so forth. So I asked for some things and they had no idea, but they said, yeah, we can do that. It's on the shelf, so we'll do it. So I had some numbers I gave to them. So I wanted to have a really good car and we ended up and, and that was there, but it didn't have, it wasn't complete and everything else. So it's very, very strange thing as they said, oh, you're about the size of Gerhard Berger. I said, okay. So they put a, a, a burger seat in the car and a seat in the car is just a piece of carbon fiber and it has a piece of sheepskin on it, just the leather, but nothing else. And all of the, everything else in the seat itself and all the padding and stuff is just your fire suit. Yeah. So they're starting to make some jokes and stuff. And of course they're Italian. So I don't know what this is all about. So they put me into a fire suit and they're saying, this dumb American, at least he doesn't have a fat ass, but he's just this you know, guy that probably has too much money and no brains. Let's just put him in the car and strap him in. And so uh, Neil shows up, and this is very interesting because Neil comes in, and he's got the F1 tag on, and Clayton and uh, Pietro don't know who Neil is. Uh-huh. So Neil comes in. And he hears this because he's coming around the corner and he rips him a new one. He said, this is a very smart person. He's a really good person. He's an engineer. You never talk to a person like this behind their back, especially uh, doing it in Italian. Right. And Clayto and they, all of a sudden they back away from me and they look around at each other and they turn to me and in English they say, we are so sorry. In English. There you In go. In English. Yeah. Wow. And That's basically from that day on, the you know, the sea had parted. Yeah. Now we're kind of getting on the same page. And they realize that Neil and I are friends and, and he's helping along the way. So we get to a point and so forth. They fit me to it. And fortunately, I fit into the car really, really well. But once you get in that car you realize there's a different world. It's not like a normal car. Right. You're, really, you're really jammed into that thing. And then they look and see where the pedals are and everything. And I'm thinking, oh, this is pretty cool because it actually has three pedals in it. There's a clutch, there's a brake, and there's a throttle. And I realize now that this is really something. I had no idea that there's 850 horse strapped to your back and it's all solid. <laughs> yeah. So at that time, the thing, it, it never started and so forth. I just heard the other one running and so forth. So I get fitted to the car and all that. And they said, we need a couple more months. We'll do it. We'll straighten it out and we'll have a test driver drive it at Fiorano. And then you will drive it at Fiorano. Wow. Okay. I said, wow. Yeah. We're getting real serious here. Yeah. I had a real you know, as they say, come to Jesus meeting right then. Right. Because I said, I'm going to kill myself in this thing, or I'm going to be so upset because I'm going to embarrass myself. I've got to figure this thing out now. And so I started everything I could do to figure this thing out. And one of my friends at Microsoft said, have you ever heard of Grand Prix 2? It's a video game. And I said, no, but I'll get it. So I got Grand Prix 2, and Grand Prix 2 is a Formula One uh, racing simulation on a game. 
basically it's a 94 season. So you have 94 cars. Guess what? There's a Ferrari. There's a Gerhard Berger car. It's a 412 T1B. Cool. Same car. Yeah. Nice. So I bought everything I could bet, and I basically built a simulator that I could have in my, and I had it in my office for a long time. And the only thing is you could set the thing up, and the only thing that was really, some, you had force feedback on the steering wheel. That was a separate thing. I built it all up, and I got it to work. Mm. So I would go out every night after dinner, go downstairs, and I would practice on this simulator. And the simulator did some fantastic things. You could set up how much bias you had on the brakes, which was incredible. Wow. You could also set up the arrow on the thing. So if you wanted more downforce, it would stick better. And if you wanted to go faster, you could do that. So playing around with this, I found what I call the sweet spot where I could drive. And then I would start driving on different tracks to memorize the tracks. The big thing in a Formula One, if you don't memorize a track, it's not in your head, you're going to kill yourself. Yeah, too fast, yeah. Because your eyes are so close to the ground that you can't see going into a corner. You have to know where the corner is, and your entry and exit and points and stuff are in your head. Mm -hmm. You can't see them. You can barely see what you're doing because your eyes are lower than the tires are. Yeah. So you're looking out to the front. The faster you go, the farther down the track you walk, look, and so forth. And I practice and practice. I would actually work myself up so I was tired and I was also sweaty on this thing because <laughs> I'd worked it so hard. Yeah. And you'd crash and correct yourself, crash again, and pretty soon you would be able to get around. And I found the tracks that I liked. And I memorized them so I could get down and I would work at getting my times very, very consistent and then trying to get a second or a second and a half off per lap and no crashes. And I learned how to drive the car on the simulator. Nice. Well, very smart of you, for sure. This is cool. So now let's fast forward to getting the car home or maybe what we do is did you, did you end up going back to the track and getting to drive the car on the track or did you not oh that's another thing so ferrari or giacomo calls and said you need to go to the factory because you're going to drive the car you're going to drive the car at fiorano now that was something i was really really nervous about because i didn't know fiorano i didn't have it in my head all the ferrari people know it like a pair of shoes yeah. so they know it real well and i decided that, okay, got to do it. And I actually invited a couple friends and we went over there and they tried and we're all set up. I am so nervous. I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> what am I going to do right, here? Right. Besides embarrass myself and crash and this is going to be horrible and all that. And fortunately, the car would not run. What? Oh no. We get all the way over there and it's, and Mark, this is the it's funniest little thing. The Ferrari Formula One, the 412 T1B, and the next couple of years, the 12-volt battery is for an alarm system in a house. What? It's a little 2-inch by 6-inch <laughs> by 1.5-inch 12-volt battery. Oh, my. For the and, whole car. <laughs> and you don't realize, and Ferrari didn't realize, you buy them at Radio Shack. Oh, my God. And wow. this is another funny little thing, but I figured it out afterwards. So they couldn't, didn't get, they didn't have a good battery. So they couldn't run the thing without the battery. You can't do it. And one thing I need to say to everybody, the electronics in a car 
were quite a bit in a car and they what they call it they vanillaize the car meaning they take out a lot of stuff out of it so to run the car all you have to do is put 12 volts in it heat up the oil put the fuel in get the fuel pressure going i'm going to go really quickly through all this and i'll yeah. you know in another time i'll tell you how we're going to get to do all this stuff <laughs> but then you can basically run the car yeah and the car will run because they've got a special uh, guy that can make the electronics work quite just plug in 12 volts you got to do a bunch of other mechanical stuff but then the car will actually run and so forth and that was part of what i told him i need to do i need to run the car yeah no you're not going to run the car david we're going to run the car and i said well i'm going to take it home to america well yeah but when you want to run it you call us and we'll fly over you'll pay for it and we'll We'll do all this. And I said, no, we're not going to do it. Well, yeah, it is. And they figured it'll never happen. I'll take the car and I'll never start the thing. Yeah. That's what they figured. Yeah. So that was the thing. So long and short of what we happened is the car never ran. And I'm going, oh, this is great. I don't have to embarrass myself there. <laughs> and so we came up with a program that because of Ferrari San Francisco is very close to Sears Point, we will run the car at Sears Point, and because Ferrari has a number of issues with the car, they would send one person, which they actually ended up sending two people, which would be Clayton and Pietro over, and I would drive the car at Sears Point the first time. Okay, okay. So, now, this is amazing. You go through all of that, what, three trips, still don't get to drive your car, no. which you're kind of relieved because, again, you go back to you wanted to just hang the thing on the wall, and they said, no, 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 you got to drive it, but drive we're going to make sure you can't drive it, so... Eh, there you go. So so let's fast forward to getting the car over here and getting to Sears Point. Well, uh, so they, they get the car over and they actually fly it. They put in a big crate and everything else. And David come down and I, so I grabbed my truck, not grabbed it, but I drove my truck and a trailer down because I'm going to pick up my car. Yeah. So I drive down to Sears Point and go to the Ferrari showroom there and there's my car and so forth. So this is a real telling moment. This is the day before, and I'm all set up, and they said, okay, we'll start it up. They started up. Pietro gets in it because he likes to do that. They start the car, and I'm taking notes and looking very carefully. And he said, okay, David, now you get in the car. So they get me in the car, and they strap me in. And when they strap you in, it's not a little. Yeah. They pull on those straps yeah. really hard yeah. and so forth. And the first time that thing lights up, and there's 850 horse on your back. You're going, oh, my God. What have I done? What have I done? Mama. <laughs> and this is like, I'm not sure I want to be here. Yeah. And uh, so forth. So we finish all that. And, of course, I'm sitting there nervous and going, oh, this is getting really, this is a real thing. You know, yeah, it's not yeah. time to back out. You're going to actually do it. And they said, and guess what? Tonight we're going to go on the wine train because everybody wants to do it. You're coming with us, David. The wine train. Yeah, we're going to go drinking before I drive my F1 car tomorrow. Yeah, so. Great idea, guys. <laughs> so we get on the wine train. And, of course, the Italians, they know how to drink wine. Everybody else said, oh, have a glass of wine. No, have another one. And I'm going like, ah, I'm not sure, so sure I need to be doing this. So long and short, we do all of this. And the next morning I get up and I'm nervous. I go out and take a run. I get back and so forth. And I've just got a, a pair of shorts and a T-shirt on, and I end up over at Sears Point in the rent-a-car, and the big transporter comes, and in the back, there's a F1, and it's coming out the back, and I'm over by the uh, 
porta potty because there's a couple there. And all of a sudden, all these people are showing up. And I had made a very strong point. I will only drive this car by myself with nobody around. I'm not going to embarrass myself. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, more and more people and more and more people. And I'm going, there's a lot of people here. Giacomo comes over to me and he says, David, you know, today's a great day. You're going to be the entertainment at lunch. <laughs> all of the West Coast of Ferrari has been invited to a Ferrari event, and you're going to be the entertainment. Most oh. people have never seen, seen an F1 run, and you're going to do the demonstration. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Is that when you I, went back in the porta potty and locked the door? <laughs> I was close because I had to use it a couple times. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, this, this is a very quick one, Mark, but <laughs> there's this lady that comes next to me and she said, oh, my God, this is really, really great. You know, we're going to see an F1 race and my husband's here and I've never seen one, but we're F1 fans and blah. You see, there's that car over there. You know anything about it? I said, yes, very slowly. I'm going to drive it. And she looks at me and she says, you know, you're so full of crap. You know, there's no way in heck, you know, they've got an experienced driver and it's going to be some, you know, Italian dude. Right. You, they, she goes on and on about what it's like <laughs> to drive an F1. <laughs> yeah, hey, lady. And, and I said, no, I'm going to do it. And she looks at me and you can see this woman. She was very pretty, too. She said, you're, you're just trying to pick me up or something. You know, it was, it was really a bad scene. Oh and I gosh. said, oh, that's going to happen. So. Anyway, the car comes over and uh, we get it, we get it out and so forth. They get it out and they start it and I put on my race suit and everything else like that and so forth. And at this time, the good thing is I went to driver school at Sears Point. Oh, so you know I the track. Sears Point in my head. Yeah. That was a very strategic thing. Ferrari didn't know that. Nobody else knew it except some of the guys from the Russell School had wandered up because it was lunchtime. They didn't know, you know, I had my suit on and stuff like that. They didn't recognize that I had been there a couple times going to driver school. Got that it. was part of the strategy. Brilliant. So anyway, they strapped me into the car and I've got in the first time I'm all my stuff on. I've got my helmet, my this, that, 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 that. And they really strap you in. You can't breathe when they got it in there because <laughs> you need to be strapped in. Yep. And they start the thing up and I'm going, okay, here we go. And the engine basically idles at 6,000 RPM. Oh my gosh. And there's no, there's no flywheel. So it's just the clutch and yourself. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, here's how I do it. I pop the clutch and the thing stalled. Boom. Uh. And I'm going, oh Jesus. Now I can't even get the damn thing to roll. Yeah. This is really bad. And I'm, of course, very, very nervous of the whole thing. And uh, I've got my, um, I'm, back, I'm in the car and they roll me back because you've got an exterior starter. Start the thing up again. And Clado bangs on my helmet and said, slippy de clutchy, slippy de clutchy. Slippy de clutchy. I get into it and I hear slippy de clutchy. So I start slipping the clutchy. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the thing takes off and it goes. Yeah. And I remembered. The first thing you do is get it out of first gear because right. first gear is scary. You've got all that torque, all that energy, and that thing will spin so quick. And another thing is there's no tire warmers. Oh, so you you're on cold tires. Oh. And it's cold and it's a cool morning and so forth. So you start driving this thing, which I 
thing, and the thing is darting all over the thing. But I remembered from the simulator, do not try and catch it. Just let it go, let it go, and then just slowly start waving back and forth with the car to get some heat in the tires. Yep. And I'm doing that, and I'm going pretty slow and so forth. And I know the track, so I'm okay with that. And I get going, and then pretty soon, all this thing, the thing quits darting. So, so you get some grip. You get some grip, which is heat in the tires. Yeah. And so I do a couple laps, and I start going faster and faster, and starting. Oh, it's just feeling pretty good. And the only thing is, going straight, it's fine. But in the corners, you're going, oh, man, is it going to slip? Is it going to yeah. do this? Whatever. Because yeah. I have no idea. So I just start increasing and all that. And then I think I've done about six laps. And Clay goes, you know, he's he said, he's he's waving me. Come into the pits. Right. And I said, screw it. Yeah, I'm not coming into the pits. I just got here, dude. I'm going to put a couple of good laps in. Yeah. He's pushing. You know, come in, come in. I'm not. So. I'm driving, and all of a sudden, this thing is just hauling on the thing. And, I mean, it really goes. And it's hard to hold the thing in a corner because there's so much force. And the interesting thing is the reason why it's a headrest because you can't hold your head when that thing is accelerating. The nose pops every time you pop a gear. Wow. And another quick thing is a sequential box. Oh, okay. uh, Once you clutch to begin with the starter, you never use the clutch again. You just go up and down in the gears. And I had bought a BMW M3 with a sequential clutch so I could practice it over and over and over again. <laughs> nice. I would just beat the heck out of that car practicing that sequential clutch. Yep. And I also did it with a simulator. So I knew it pretty well. And I'm going faster and faster. And I get down to the far end of the track. And I'm really over my head. And... That car would stop so well. It's carbon on carbon brakes. You had to warm them up, and I remember that. So I'd warm up the brakes, and I put on the brakes, and the thing is going sideways because I'm <laughs> over my head in the corner. I said, oh, my God, I'm going to spin the car. Yeah. But with a simulator, what you realize is if you're getting sideways, quickly get the wheels straight, get another gear, put your foot in it, and it makes this horrible kabang, boom, and the car went straight. And it corrects so itself. Wow. I did that, and it went straight. And I caught myself, and I didn't spin the car. So anyway, got back and did a couple more laps. And I finally said, they're getting mad at me, so I'll just come in. And I came in, and Clayto looks at me, and he said, you've done this before. <laughs> and I said, nope. Nope. First drive. You've done this before. I heard that. You've done this before. Not did you do it. It's you've done this before. before. And then Pietro comes over and he shakes my hand and looks at me like he wants to hug me. And he said, you good at this. Oh, wow. That must have made you feel like a million bucks. It was like, oh, my God. The weight of the world was off my shoulders. Yeah. And I felt so good. And this old man, sweaty, and so (laughs) gets out of this car. And I, the first thing I did is I saw that woman. That <laughs> I was waiting for her to come back. Over her, and I had my helmet off, and I looked at her, and I said, told you so. Uh. <laughs> and she looked at me, and she, she just, all, she didn't say a thing. She just shook her head and said, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. my God. 
Oh, That's my God. Well, listen, this is awesome. We are going to, I told you guys at the beginning, we're going to do a two-part show here because there's more to this story. We run a little long today, but you you left us on a really nice note with that. I told you so. I love it. That is awesome. So, David, I'm going to have you come back tomorrow, and we're going to talk about what went from there, how you used the car, what you did with the car, the fact that you took the car to Concours events, and then, of course, the Arrivederci when you decided to let this thing go. So will you come back and have some more cappuccino with me tomorrow, and we'll talk about that? Absolutely. This brings back so many fond memories, <laughs> and it's something I've said quickly, I'll say this, Mark, it's the closest thing to NASA you ever get to do in your life, and I'm fortunate I got to do it. So I am. Yeah, it is really cool. And I'll tell the listeners, I've seen this car. I've got to sit in this car. I've got to play with this car, photograph this car. I've heard it run. It's insane. So again, listeners, uh, you can find a show notes page for this show and some details about the car and the Cars yeah website. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Ferrari F1, and you'll see a page there with a bunch of the specs and so forth. And tomorrow, I'm going to talk with David. He's going to come back. We're going to talk about what do you do now that you've got a Ferrari F1 car and you've driven it at Sears Point? What's the next step? So tune in tomorrow to Cars Yeah. Grazie, David, for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing the first part of this really fun story. This has made my day. Until you and I meet again at the Cavallino restaurant tomorrow, (laughs) I'll say ciao. Great. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Did you know that Cars Yeah! is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership, according to Libsyn, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right. And Cars Yeah! is the only five-day-a-week automotive-focused podcast for you to get your message into the ears of thousands of listeners daily from all over the world. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah! is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars yeah has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars yeah every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.